0: What do you think of when you hear the word Aryan? If you think of Nazis, white supremacists, the Holocaust, a rabble of Fred Perry wearing white dudes marching in Charlottesville, Virginia, chanting, Jews will not replace us? I don't blame you. If your primary source of knowledge about India is your average high school textbook or mass market travel guide, you might also conjure up images of a group of light-skinned invaders coming into India in the hoary past and subjugating the darker-skinned people already living there, the invaders imposing their beliefs and culture. Well, today, I'm here to explain to you the connection between those two sets of imagery and how both are hugely off the mark. I'm Matt McDermott, and this is All About Hinduism, episode 12. We've got to talk about the word Aryan. set the record straight for people on what the word Aryan actually means and how (laughs) and how it's been misinterpreted over the years because uh, you know you with the rise of at least in public face of white supremacy in in the west in the past couple of years um what what does the word Aryan actually mean
1: uh Aryan is not a word actually (laughs) our word is "arya." So, I don't know why they add this end to the end uh, of many of our words. It's just Arya.
0: That's Professor Lavanya Vimsani from Shawnee State University in Ohio. She's an advisor to the Hindu American Foundation and was a recent guest on the companion podcast to this one, That's So Hindu. Uh,
1: It should be called Arya. Arya is civilized, learned, uh, and um, the one who has. you know, good manners or good, you know, all that. Uh, and, and ARIA is used uh, until recently. Even when I was in school, I learned, uh, you know, they teach you, I went to, you know, Telugu Medium School. Uh, they teach you how to write a leave letter, how to write the uh, application, how to write a petition, all these things when you're in school, in elementary school, you know, third grade or fourth grade. Uh, and how to write letter to your teacher. Uh, and I always started, you know, it always started with, um, you know, respectable Arya you know, aria is something like sir, dear sir, right? So it's in, uh, in Telugu, it starts as, you know, Arya uh, and I write this letter, uh, aria, uh, used most of the time, uh, as a respectable word, as, uh, as something like a sir, uh, it is not a race at all. There is no racial connotation anywhere, uh, in the Vedas, um, and, uh, the, the so-called Aryas uh, never said that they came from anywhere else. So it's, it's just part of the culture. It's just part of the uh, people who are uh, learned. That's about it. Uh, and if you are examining uh, the sources uh, cited for it, very meager uh, sources uh, in the linguistics. Uh, linguistics can be interpreted either this way or that way. Linguistic history is Uh, something, uh, something else. So anyway, if you are looking at uh, real historical evidence, because linguistic history is, you know, uh, is theoretical. Um, And if you are looking at archaeology, where is the evidence for this uh, group of people that came in? Uh, There is no Aryan. There is no race called Aryan in the Vedas. But anyway, you're telling us there is a group of people that came. So if they came, where is the evidence? If some newer group came and occupied, there is always an occupational level. So if this happened during Neolithic period, as they say, they say, you know, these people came with Neolithic package. Uh, So where, where uh, where is it? No, no iron was introduced. Iron was there in India right from um, um, 12,000 years ago. There is evidence in North India, South India in many places. There is no occupational layer at any level of uh, archaeological uh, sources. No new, you know, if any new group has arrived, uh, there is always new cultural uh, material that you can find. Uh, maybe new hand axes, new axes, new things. That was not there. Only continuity is there. No occupational level, no new uh, artifacts that uh, that can be found that show a difference uh, or occupation. So where is it? It's not in the uh, in the ground. We can't find it. It's not in the people. Uh, They talk about this R1 and all that. uh, And I talked about it repeatedly. Uh, R1, uh, India actually uh, gives rise to this, gives rise to r Uh, And then the mutation R, of course, gives rise to different uh, R's, R1A, R1A1, A1, RR, you know, so so many different types of R1s, Uh, so many um, of them. But anyway, the the main thing is, after African uh, genetic lines, the male genetic lines, African genetic lines are specific to A and B. The next one is C and the C is found in India, uh, which means the earliest male uh, genetic line uh, C is found in India. Other genetic lines, of course, succeed that C, D, E, F. Uh, And of course, one of these Fs give rise to different mutations. C gives rise to different mutations. D gives rise to different mutations. Uh, And most of the genetics actually evolve from this uh, F So uh, anyway, the, the, the question is the oldest genetic heritage for males and females is in India. And then there is gradual progression and gradual mutations that you can find in India, which shows continuous occupation and continuous evolution, which gives the name Founders Zone to India. And no sudden change can be seen. The R1A also shows gradual evolution within India and R1A shows maximum diversity, lots of diversity, uh, which also shows it is deep rooted. So there is gradual evolution, there is deep rooted nature, and then the earliest genes of male and female, you know, the C for male and L for female. Uh, art found in India, which gives the name Founders Zone to India. So, there is no occupational level in archaeology. There is no occupation and sudden change in our genetic heritage. So, where is this group? Where is this mythical group? I I don't find any evidence anywhere, uh, except for some passages that are misinterpreted uh, from the Vedas.
0: So then, What is Professor Vamsani talking about when she talks about archaeology, linguistics, and genetics? We have to go back to the 19th century to find out. What was known in the 19th century about ancient India was based on the theoretical proposition that all people speaking the same language must belong to a single race. However, in 1924, British archaeologists found evidence of great ancient cities in the Indus Valley, located in modern-day Pakistan. These cities... Mahindra Dharu and Harappa, revealed a community of about 30,000 people that enjoyed a municipal sewer system complete with drains and manhole covers, indoor plumbing, a standardized system of trade, and many other signs of an advanced society. These findings would later be referred to as the Indus Valley, Indus Sarasvati, Sindhu Sarasvati, and Harappan civilization. We mentioned these back in episodes 1 and 2 when discussing the origins of the word Hindu go back and listen if you miss them or revisit to connect the dots subsequent excavations found evidence of additional cities in Sindh, Ariana, Gujarat, and other parts of the subcontinent showing the expansive nature of the civilization artifacts such as royal seals, the object used to authenticate royal authority, not the animal, and a ritual bathing site were consistent with what would become part of Hindu culture centuries later the origin of these cities and of the Indus Valley civilization as well as its decline, are not entirely clear. Some scholars attribute the decline to a major drought around the Sarasvati River, an ancient dried-up waterway that is mentioned in Hinduism's ancient sacred texts. Both the Indus Valley and Vedic civilizations are chronologically contemporary and located in the same geographical region formed by the plains of the River Indus and its tributaries. The origins of Vedic civilization are still unclear and contested with two major theories that have dominated the discussion the Aryan Invasion Theory, and the Aryan Migration Theory. The terms Aryan, based on the Sanskrit word Arya meaning noble or learned, as Professor vimsani highlighted, and Dravidian, are loosely constructed epithets denoting groups of people while never clearly indicating that these are two different races. The 19th century readings of Müller, and many scholars after him, champion the idea known as the Aryan Invasion Theory. Which is premised upon the claim that a nomadic race called the Aryans supplanted a native population referred to commonly as Dravidians through a combination of force, co option, and intermingling, creating what became the Indian civilization and Hinduism. Aryan invasion theory continues to be touted as plausible. This is despite lack of evidence of any large scale invasions, lack of recording of any invasions in the Vedas, and lack of archaeological verification all leading to many scholars abandoning and debunking the Aryan invasion theory. In its place arose a more contemporary theory called Aryan migration theory. It's based upon a similar idea. Waves of migrating Central Asian peoples settling in the Indus Valley starting around 1800 BCE, sometime after the cities of daro and Harappa were established. The Aryan migration theory is premised on the similarities between ancient Persian and Indian culture suggesting similar spreads across India. Additionally, interpretations of the Vedas that refer to Arya and Dasa have been presumed to refer to two separate races. Furthermore, Aryans use iron in horses, which were not considered native to India. Furthermore, Aryans use iron in horses, which were not considered native to India. However, the Aryan migration theory has been challenged due to the fact that DNA evidence... However, Aryan migration theory has been challenged due to the fact that DNA evidence points to much more genetic consistency within the Indian subcontinent and over a longer period than the Aryan migrations would suggest, as well as there being a lack of evidence of any large-scale migration taking place. Additionally, there's also the questionable premise of language being a marker of race. The archaeological evidence suggests historical continuity and a more fluid transition from the Harappan Age to the Vedic period. Even some of the previous assumptions, such as the use of horses and iron, were eventually disputed since trade and migration patterns within the subcontinent would have brought both to the region. A third in competing theory, a third in competing theory, states that the Vedic people were indigenous to the Indus Sarasvati region and built the Indus Valley cities. This theory is referred to as the Out of India theory or the Indigenous Aryan theory. Archaeologists and historians began to embrace this theory because evidence suggested that a collection of groups lived along the major waterways of the Indian subcontinent. DNA analysis tracing thousands of years suggests similarities among these people. The archaeological findings, including satellite imagery, of the Sarasvati River show that it mostly flowed through modern Rajasthan and was believed to have dried up around 2700 BCE. The river's presence corresponds to numerous references in Vedic literature and scripture to the Sapta Sindhu, Indus River and its tributaries, as the primary land of residence for inhabitants. Archaeologists have noted that mingling among different populations across the subcontinent would have yielded the type of development over many centuries seen in ancient India. However, there's no definitive evidence that a river found in satellite imagery. While the scripts in the Harappan civilization remain undeciphered, many historians and archaeologists believe the likelihood of an indigenous mixing of groups resulted in the development of Vedic civilization. The story of ancient India is a fascinating one, one which we hope to get to in more detail in future episodes. And it's also, as I hope you can see, a contentious one, with themes of European misunderstandings of India and Hinduism dominating the discussion, often to this day, even when Indian and Hindu scholars are clearly saying that these non-Indian and non-Hindu scholars are getting it really wrong. How then to loop back to the introduction that the Nazis and white supremacism get mixed up in all this and get it all even more wrong than European Indologists? A full examination of how Europeans in the 19th century made the erroneous leap towards believing that there was a specific racial group of people called the Aryans is beyond the scope Of this podcast. But the nutshell version, paraphrasing from the Holocaust encyclopedia recounting of it all, is this. The idea that Aryan referred to a specific group of people arose in the mid-19th century, with racial theorists in both France and England promoting both the idea that such a group of people existed and that they were superior to all other groups of humans. This idea was part and parcel of Nazi ideology from the very beginnings of the party, It went beyond just the idea of Aryans being superior to other groups, but being a so-called quote, master race. He also began calling other groups, especially Jews, non-Aryan. Ironically, they included Roma and other related groups as non-Aryan, even though historically these groups of people originated in the very place where the word Arya itself originated, India. Hitler's and the Nazi belief in an Aryan master race took some fascinating and bizarre twists. One of these is how the group of Aryans that he believed invaded India in 1500 BC or so – remember, this invasion didn't actually happen, it's a bit of total and other fiction – committed a race crime by mixing with the non-Aryan people who already lived in India. In doing so, these people, Hitler thought, lost their status as racially superior to other people. As for the modern Indians striving for independence in the 20th century, Hitler had nothing but contempt – In addition to the aforementioned quote-unquote crime of race mixing, both Hinduism and Buddhism had further weakened them, Hitler believed. Despite this hatred, in 1938, a group of five Germans landed in Sri Lanka and journeyed to Tibet to find out what had happened to what they believed were remnants of a lost Aryan community that fled the sinking of the island of Atlantis and ultimately settled in the Himalayas. Over the course of their year's research, which was cut short by the outbreak of war. They measured hundreds of Tibetans' heads, made photographs, and conducted other quasi-anthropological activities. The Tibetans were quite obliging in all of this, seemingly unaware of the counterfactual beliefs about their historical origins maintained by those people doing the research. Sadly, such plainly ahistorical beliefs about an Aryan master race Consisting of white non Jewish people, continues to this day among white supremacists. Also, sadly, the same antipathy towards Hindus continues as well. Next time on All About Hinduism, we're taking on the highly complex, contentious, nuanced, often today misunderstood, and far from unified method of social organization and categorization practiced on the Indian subcontinent across all religious communities, despite what some people would like you to believe, known clumsily in English. As cast. Hope you'll join us. The show is produced, written, and edited by me, Matt McDermott. All about Hinduism's academic advisors, Dr. Shereen Bala. Suhag Shukla reviews each episode making all sorts of helpful notes and suggestions. And Shah Mallard is the show's associate producer. Before you go, do us a favor. Leave us a nice five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Also, subscribe or follow us so you can get all the new episodes the moment they're released. And finally, help ensure that more of these get made by making a donation to HAF at hinduamerican.org slash donate.